Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and for business owners who want to know what really works with social media. I'm very excited about today's show. Today, I'll be joined by Simon Mannering, who's the author of the book, We First, and we'll talk about how to inspire your customers to share your stories. I'll also take a caller question on how to find your ideal customers on social media when you aren't really sure where in the world they are. As a matter of fact, let's transition over to that question right now. Deep from within a remote jungle village, here's this week's social media question. Hi, Michael. My name is Richard Wilson. I'm CEO of a company called Social Media Systems Manager, and the website is socialmediasystemsmanager.com. My question to you deals with targeted audience. Now, when looking for your targeted audience, I understand you need to determine who your targeted audience is and what demographic you're looking at. But when looking for your targeted audience, a lot of research that I've done shows that all you have to do is ask them what social media networks they like hanging out on. But if you don't know where they are in the first place, how can you ask them what networks they like to hang out on? Uh, just a little clarification would greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for the question, Richard. So what I hear you saying is you don't have any real customers that you can ask yet, or you don't feel like you can ask them yet, which is probably a viable situation for a lot of people. Um, and if you don't, well, then here's what I recommend. Reverse engineer this. And when I say reverse engineer this, I really mean spy out the competition. The first thing I want to recommend is that you research who the competition is. And if there's no direct competition, maybe expand your category a little bit and just say, who are the competitors? Then what I want you to do is go to their websites of the competition and look at which social networks they're focused on. Are they focused on LinkedIn, Pinterest, Facebook, yada, yada, yada. And then the next thing you want to do is actually go to those particular networks and see who they're following. For example, are there certain people they seem to be interacting with on Twitter? Or are they much more active on different networks? You know, just by analyzing the competition and seeing who they're focusing on, you can go quite a long ways in making some assumptions that there's probably a target audience out there. Otherwise, these people would not be actively on those social networks, especially if you can look at quite a few and kind of uh, combine them all together in the aggregate. The other thing you might want to do is also take a look at what blogs and podcasts do they suggest, or do they mention, or do they listen to? And then you might be able to reach out to some of those bloggers or some of those podcasters and ask them what their insight is from their experience. Now, these are just very, very simple things, but obviously if you're not thinking about them, <laughs> they're not that simple. Or they might be out of mind. But the reality is, it doesn't take that much work to get at this information. And I hope this gives you at least a good start, Richard. 
Now, if you're listening right now and you've got a question about social media, blogging, podcasting, and you'd like to get it on the show, the easiest way to do that is to visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash voicemail. And when you go to the website, you'll have an opportunity to basically record your question from your computer or your device right there on the spot. I get a notification. And if I like the question, it'll show up on the show. And you'll be also mentioned in the show notes at socialmediaexaminer.com. With that, let's transition over to something else I want to share with you. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Okay, with that, let's transition over to today's interview with Simon. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. I'm very excited to be joined today by Simon Mannering. If you don't know who Simon is, he's the author of the book, We First, How Brands and Consumers Use Social Media to Build a Better World. He's a consultant that's worked with brands like Nike and Motorola. Simon also hosts the upcoming We First Social Branding Seminar in West Hollywood in just a few days. Simon, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Michael. I'm such an avid reader of Social Media Examiner and I'm a big fan of the podcast, so thank you for having me on. Well, hey, thank you. Today, Simon and I are going to explore how to inspire your fans and your followers to share your stories via social media. So, Simon, um, my first question, why do you think it's important to tap the power of fans? Some people might look at the brand Apple and say to themselves, well, they don't appear to be doing anything, you know, uh, outwardly to try to tap the power of their brands, yet they've got raving fans. What are your thoughts? Well, Share I two, with, yeah. yeah, I have two, two ideas on that. One is that outright the power of social media is not really the ability of a brand to sell directly to a customer, whether you're a small company, an entrepreneur, or whether you're a big Fortune 500 brand. The true power of social media is to inspire that customer who's made a purchase to actually talk about your brand to other people. So if you think of traditional media as sort of one to many in that a television commercial would reach many people, social media is about one to one to many. You can reach that Kevin Kelly, as Kevin Kelly says, that, you know, that one member of those thousand fans and those thousand fans will promote you to so many other people. Now, in the case of Apple, it may look like their marketing is effortless, but they're doing very, very conscious things to build that rabid fan base. Firstly, they celebrate the customer through their, the priority they give the, the user experience. No other brand out there spends so much time and attention making sure the customer's experience 
is you know so well captured in the product itself. And then outright, things like the iPod, the iPad, and the iPhone, they really listened to consumers about how they wanted to conduct their lives and made things portable for them. And then, you know, when they do their marketing, they do it in a very human way. We all remember the campaign where, you know, the person with the iPod was, you know, dancing around and so on. Their language is very simple. It's, it's very accessible. And, you know, then they do something very human as well. They build those sort of, that pre-release tension. There's always buzz around, you know, the next Apple product release. So they right. really tap into human dynamics. And, you know, I think one of the interesting things about it in the case of Apple is that, you know, when they went through a big PR crisis, when there were, you know, um, employees committing suicide, you know, at Foxconn and other places where their products are manufactured, you didn't really see the customer base complaining, which is almost throws the onus back onto their fan base and saying, well, hold it. You know, if you love the brand so much, you've also got to hold that brand accountable for what it's doing. So they have a rabid fan base, but there's a shared responsibility between the brand and its customers to really reflect the core values of the brand. And I thought that was a really interesting case where, you know, fans didn't push back negatively against the company enough. And it's almost a reflection of just how enamored they are with the brand itself. So I think they're doing very, very conscious things that really seem simple or effortless, but they're very, very strategic and smart. What about the non-Apples of the world? Um, not everybody has the brilliance of what Apple has been able to build. How do the non-Apples of the world, which is frankly every other business, how do yeah. they figure out how to tap into that power of those fans? Well, there's a, there's a fundamental shift that every brand needs to make. And, and a lot of the major brands out there and the smartest entrepreneurs have made it, but the vast majority have not. And here's the shift. Companies in their marketing must position themselves not as the celebrity of their customer community, but rather as its celebrant. And what I mean by that is you've got to stop talking about yourself and you've got to start talking about your customers. Why? Because thanks to social media, what was a monologue where we had television, print or radio just talking at people and you couldn't really talk back as a customer, has shifted to a dialogue where there's a real-time dialogue going on between brands and consumers. And as we know in relationships in our personal life, if you just talk at someone all the time, you'll never get anywhere. You actually have to listen to them and respond to them. So what you need to do as an entrepreneur that wants to inspire their fans to promote their brand and build your business for you is to reframe your marketing as the celebrant of your customer community. What does this product allow you to do to enhance your life? How are you better off with that product? What are you doing that you couldn't do before? And then you use your marketing platform to celebrate your customers. And guess what happens? Those customers then share that content because it's them that's the subject of it. And that's when you get that power of one to one to many. And the entrepreneurs that learn that and the big brands that learn that transform their experience of social media. And I'll just give you a couple of quick examples. Think about Coca-Cola's marketing used to be the real thing. Now it's open happiness. Pepsi used to be the joy of Pepsi, and now it's refresh everything. Or IBM is smarter planet, or Starbucks is shared planet. All of these positionings are in terms of the benefit to their customers. They're not talking about themselves. I love that. And, um, you know, another company that I was thinking of, <coughs> excuse me, that that's doing it really well is Sharpie. Uh, right. You know, the guys that make pens. Um, it, it's not necessarily that they have this big, you know, um, social good concept, but what Sharpie does to celebrate their customers is they have a place where they encourage their customers to create art with their Sharpie pens. And they post the photographs up there on the website of people 
transforming a shoe, for example, a white tennis shoe, or uh, taking a plain piece of furniture and enhancing it with really cool art. And then what they do is some of the more popular stuff that actually is created by their consumer base, they evangelize on their blog and they showcase. And, And I think that's maybe not as big of a thing of what you're talking about, but is that related? No, absolutely. It's the same thing. They're basically positioning their brand as a platform on which their customers can stand because they're celebrating their customers' art. So if you look at the full spectrum from a big brand like Intel, they brought their social media audience to life by launching the Museum of Me, where you could create a virtual museum where you could walk through and see all your likes, all the photos you've posted, all the friends. And they created a gallery that you could walk through and it's all about you as a way to demonstrate the processing power of their new chips. At a more entrepreneurial level or a sort of, you know, um, customer or community level, you've got Sharpie that is allowing you to celebrate your art, much like companies, you know, T-shirt companies like Threadless celebrate the artwork that graphic designers are doing, then crowdsource which one of those designs should actually get sort of, you know, picked up and made into T-shirts. And then they're pre-qualified who's interested in those T-shirts and they sell them to the market. So it really is about no matter how big or small you are, it's the same dynamics, but you've turned your marketing inside out. And maybe a really good way to think about this is there's two people in the conversation, your brand, your company, and the customer. And there's the same dynamic, a conversation going on, but the polarity, the direction of that conversation is reversed. It used to be brands talking at customers, and if they're lucky enough, they would talk back. Now, it's brands listening to customers who then talk to the brand. So it's same sort of people involved, but the, the direction of that conversation is reversed. All right, let's get into the brain stuff going on here a little bit. Um, maybe a little bit of the psychology here. First of all, there's the reprogramming of the psychology of the marketer, right? Who's been a traditional marketer that's been in the industry for a long time. And that probably even includes yourself, Simon, right? Because you've got a long track record as an ad guy. What kind of reprogramming had to happen in this industry of PR and advertising to make this come about? Well, you know, it's challenging on so many levels. And obviously, the pace of change is one challenge outright because it's, it's so difficult. It's almost as, you know, whatever strategy you come up with is obsolete by the time you've sort of executed it. But for large brands, they've spent years thinking that it's a big monologue they put out there where they just talk at people and then their marketing departments got all siloed out between digital and PR and social media and corporate communications and foundations and cause marketing and that really fractured the messaging. So what a lot of big companies struggle with now is all they're doing is broadcasting their schizophrenia. They are just using all these different channels to say all these different things about themselves. And what's the impact of that? Nothing. <laughs> you, you rob the customer of the ability to talk about you meaningfully to other people through their own channels. Yeah. You, and that doesn't benefit you at all, right? It doesn't benefit you at all. And then if you're a small company, you're an entrepreneur, the greatest challenge is, you know, I'm an entrepreneur myself. We have a small company. You're, you're so focused on the day-to-day and meeting payroll and making sure there's paper in the photocopy machine that you know you really don't get time to think about yourself as a brand or to really look at your marketing. It's almost the last thing you do. But here's the biggest mistake they make. Entrepreneurs fail to define who they are. And if you're looking to get your first customers or you're looking to get your second round of funding, your you know, VC will either want you know, eyeballs and they want to see that you have a community base or an investor will want to see that you actually have customers. And the only way you're going to get customers is if they know who you are, they know what you stand for, and you communicate that 
to them in a way that you're meaningful and relevant to them. So the two big issues are brands need to sort of stop sort of broadcasting their schizophrenia and get very singular in their messaging because they've been so sort of fractured for so long. And entrepreneurs need to recognize that an undefined brand is absolutely unshareable. And we need to become marketers because we have these tools now in our hands that just simply weren't there before. Okay, so us marketers that are listening right now, you need to really kind of grapple with this and get this into your head. But what I think is even more intriguing is the psychology at work with the consumer. Let's talk about this a little bit. Why is it that people care so much about seeing their names and lights or having the opportunity to be heard? Can you share a little bit about what you think is going on there? Yeah, it's so interesting. Let's think of a couple of relevant examples from the last month. I mean, we saw Lady Gaga's new um, video, Applause, and literally she was saying, look at me, I live for the applause. And her whole film clip was like a series of selfies, these different portraits of herself that say, I'm not like you, I don't fit in. So that's sort of a nice little sort of, you know, a snapshot of the the mindset that's informing millennials and younger generations. Or, you know, let's look at uh, probably one of the most discussed topics, which was Miley Cyrus's performance at the VMAs. Right. Miley Cyrus realized that when she puts a GIF or a single photo of herself out there with her tongue out, that it's actually shared 300% more than other images when she puts them out. So there's a very strategic awareness there. Now, she may be conscious of that or not, or, you know, whatever, but the the point is is that these technologies, these tools are driving new dynamics that are literally informing the way people behave in the real world. And so, you know, when you think about the way marketers need to to reframe how they think, uh, how they reach their customer, they need to recognize that the customer shares ownership of their brand. The customer wants to co-create the content. The customer wants to be a part of the conversation. And then, if you allow them to do that, they will willingly and happily share your brand with others. But if you say you stand for something and then you cross that, then they will even more willingly criticize you, whether that takes the form of bank transfer day or pushback against Netflix when they sort of launch Quickster or whether it's insensitive remarks by the CEO of Abercrombie and Fitch or whether it's the apparel companies that were connected with a factory collapse in Bangladesh where tragically all those women lost their lives. We are now in an age of customer activism where they will partner with you and they will build your business with you, but only if you do, you know, you market and conduct your business with integrity. And I think if we take this down even more granular, I think that um, deep down, everybody wants to be recognized like that cheers song. Everybody wants to know yep. your name, you know, and uh, you want to go where everybody knows your name. And I yep. think there's this innate need in most humans to want to be acknowledged for something. And um, when you as the brand or the company empower people and give your platform to them, um, not only are you um, benefiting yourself, but you are drawing to you um, people that will love you and evangelize for you and become sharers of that content for you. And that is really, I think, the key at a very, very basic level of what we're talking about. Don't you agree? Exactly. I mean, I completely agree. Look at what you do with Social Media Examiner. You and all the wonderful writers that contribute, they are empowering your readers to be more successful. You are in the service business. The very nature of my company, We First, is a counterpoint to the idea of Me First. We literally exist to celebrate the collective. And all we do in our blog um, is write about 
what other people are doing. And here's the dynamic. I mean, I love the way you described it. And I, I also think of it another way, which is if you reach out and celebrate somebody else, a customer or another organization, they will like you and they will be predisposed to talk about you to other people and you'll earn goodwill. And imagine you do that time and time and time and time again. And you create this whole reservoir of goodwill out there where you're, you're, you're empowering other people's success. That in turn elevates your brand because suddenly you've got this whole community that are feeling or saying positive things about you and that lifts you up far more effectively than you could ever lift up yourself just by talking about yourself. So um, there's a lot of businesses that are listening right now that are thinking to themselves, I don't even know where to get started. How do I even understand what in the world my fans' stories are so I can share them? What do you want to say to them? The first place you have to start is by looking inward. A lot of people make the mistake of looking to marketing, looking externally first. And really, you have to look internally and go, I'm in the communication business, and my job is to empower my customers to build my business with me. I mean, we all hear about these viral videos and you know rapid success stories. What they've done is tapped into a way to inspire their customer base to become brand evangelists, you know, to really build their business. So you need to look internally and ask yourself three questions. Why did you start your company? Not because you wanted to make widget X, but why did you start? Like, what was the fundamental core reason? Then secondly, you need to ask yourself, well, from a competitive point of view, what am I the only of? Because there's a lot of companies that make widgets. So what am I the only of? And then thirdly, to get even more specific, when my company is at its best, doing whatever we do, what are we doing? When we have one of those days when everything is humming and we do it like nobody else, what is that thing? And if you ask yourself those three questions and lay out the answers, you'll start to see a theme. And then I would ask myself one further question, which is, in your category, what human property or emotion do you want to own? And, and let me explain what I mean. Washing powder. Everyone walks down the shopping aisle, a thousand packets of washing powder, and they're all selling the same stuff, and it's all basically the same. You mean so you we, mean laundry detergent, right? Oh, Is that sorry, a, yeah, laundry detergent. It's the, it's the <laughs> for the American in, audience. <laughs> it's the Australian in me, what can I tell you? And, you know, so as you're walking down the shopping aisle, look at the different messaging you get. Some say we get out the toughest stains. Some say a little bit goes a long way. Some say our whites stay brighter longer. They've each looked at the emotional pie of what they could say to their prospective buyer and said, gosh, we're going to own that piece of it. We're going to hang our hat on that piece of it. In the same way, you need to look at your category, whether you're a one-person company starting from home working at your kitchen table or whether you've got 100 employees and go, in our category, what is the one human property or emotion we want to own? And so do those three questions and then from the theme that emerges from those, ask yourself what is the property in your category you want to own and then on, that, on the strength of those two insights, frame your messaging in a way that you celebrate your customers so you'll be relevant and meaningful to them and you're off to the races. Okay, so let's take the example of uh, we get the whitest whites or what, what did you say about that one? What, what was that one? Uh, uh, you know, uh, our white stay wider longer. Yeah, so so let's take that as an example. Let's say that's our theme, okay? And we are a detergent company. How do we how do we go from that to getting people to share stories? Okay, so listen, I'm just pulling this out of the air. I have no yeah, idea. I know. So, let's let's so, play with it, though. Yeah, let's play with it. So imagine you're launching the equivalent of a laundry detergent company, and you want to take that piece of it. Let's take a real example. So you think we, our whites stay brighter longer? So you could either say, you know. Our, bright, our whites are brighter, 
Or you could say brighter, comma, like you. Ah. And, and the- suddenly you can create content. For example, you do a campaign where you say, show us all the ways that you as a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad does all the different responsibilities you have to do in a smarter way than somebody else. Or who is the most efficient mom in California? Or, you know, um, who's got the grubbiest kid? You know, <laughs> and, and suddenly, you know, you can take this platform, co-create the content with your customer base, share that content, to, you know, to, and it's all basically promoting your product, but you'll inspire them to share it with, I mean, imagine you get 10 people that send in a video and they share it on their platform when, and you tag them when you share it on your platform and suddenly you're exponentially reaching thousands of people and celebrating your customers. I'll share an example of, of what I did when my second book launch came out, which is right around the same time yours did, Simon. Right. Um, I, I did a contest that I said it was called Help Me Launch. And I encouraged people to take a picture of somehow their business with the words help me launch. And I had like eye doctors, you know, make those little eye charts with the letters help me launch. And I had a granola gal put granola out on the counter and it said help me launch. And and then I had this one um, family called the Jonas family who took a bunch of goats and their kids and they put letters on every one that said help me launch. And they... Um, they they use they make soap out of goat's milk and they were the ones that won the contest and we right. got a chance to share their story with the world and and they became very good friends of ours and and it benefited them and and is that kind of what you're talking about at a very small yeah. level a- absolutely it's about recognizing what's common between all of us our humanity and putting them on a pedestal you know through your brand platform and that all you're doing is inspiring them to share it otherwise they're going to look at you and go gosh they're just talking about themselves and they obviously aren't interested in me and they don't get me and they're not interested so why would i talk about them to anybody else and i'll give you an example you know because i know that there's a lot of author speaker trainers and you know people listening as well you know when it came to launching my book i wondered my gosh, what am I going to do to get it out there because there's so much competition? And I was asked to do a TEDx talk in San Francisco at the time and I thought, we are all in the, com- the community aggregation business. We are all collecting communities that can then sort of fast track our growth. And so what I did was I created a short four-minute animated video about the message of the book. And in the last four minutes of my TEDx talk, I showed that video to the 1,200 people in the room up in San Francisco, and that video had 38,000 views in the first 24 hours and continued to be shared from there, and that led it to, you know, in part to being a New York Times bestseller and all those sorts of things. So the larger point is we could have just done something traditional, you and I, with our books, or we could have gone, there's a new media landscape out there. We need to engage our audience, and we need to inspire them to get involved in a way that creates content that can be easily shared and then we leverage the power of community to exponentially build awareness about our book and its launch and so on. So, you know, these are just very, very simple steps of defining your brand, co-creating innately shareable content with them and then celebrating their engagement. Those three steps, it doesn't matter whether you're launching laundry detergent, a widget, um, a new you know, gasoline, um, whippersnipper, whatever it might be. If you do those three steps, you will engage your community. Well, first of all, I love what we've been talking about so far. You know, we've been talking about the importance of, um, of sharing your stories and coming up with a story that, 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 that can help humanize people. And we've also been talking about, you know, um, identifying and, 
acknowledging and empowering your fans to somehow share their stories or something about them with your platform. And I love the interconnection between all this. One of the things that I think a lot of people might be wondering right now is, well, let's say I have some really good stories from some of our customers or clients. How do I actually encourage people to go about sharing those stories or how do I help those stories become shareable? Because I think that's kind of the secret sauce to a lot of this, right? Which is, you know, a great story by itself is kind of meaningless. It's like a tree that falls in the woods. If nobody sees it, did it really make a sound, right? So what are your thoughts on this? How can we take these stories and actually help them become more shared? Oh, that's a great question. And this is much more sort of executional and tactical. And I'll give you a concrete example to show what I mean. It's just how you think about, well, it's how you ask them. For example, when Johnny Cash passed away, you know, he had a new track that was coming out. And one approach would have been to share that with a traditional music video that had been pre-recorded and ask fans to share it in out of respect for the musician. The other way, and what they did was, was to take that footage, put it online, and allow fans to get one frame each from that film and go and paint or draw that frame. And then they reassembled them all. And the final video that was launched was the same footage hand-created by frame by frame by all their fans. Wow. Now, do you think the latter one was shared, would have been shared more than the former? Absolutely. So, you know, when you think about you've got your story, you've got 10 customer stories out there where people think, gosh, you know, that, that'd be a really great promotion for the brand. You need to think, how can I ask them to share that story in a way that will put them, you know, make them the celebrity, and then you can ask them to share it. So, for example, if it's a washing powder, you, you might ask mums to say, give us your grubbiest kid, you know, and then you, people will upload photographs of their grubbiest kid with their um, maybe a mailing address and then you can send them, I don't know, a product sample and they can wash that, pro, you know, that clothing from that soccer game or whatever it might be and then they get to post photographs of their clothing up on the other side. Right. You know, the, the traditional way would have been to say, tell us how white your clothes are after you've used our product. This way is hey, let's just see what you have to deal with on a daily basis when your 10-year-old goes crazy in the mud. Yeah, and this is where I think Facebook and Facebook apps at a, at a, at, a, at an application level can be very powerful because, you know, um, a lot of people can essentially um, – uh, you know, upload their favorite photos and then you can have like, um, you know, people vote on the favorite photos and the top 20 make it to stage two. And then you have these people evangelizing their own photos with the hope of getting into the top. And, and then you've got some really crazy ones that make it into the top and everybody goes nuts and sometimes shares them even if they don't know the people because exactly. of, because of the, the really creative things people did to get there, you know, and then all of a sudden the thing takes off. Um, let's talk, let's switch gears a little bit here. Let's talk about employees for people listening right now that have employees. Um, how can businesses leverage employees to help a story either develop or become shared? What are your thoughts about that? Well, this is really important because again, so many brands, whether they're a big fortune 500 or whether they're a startup, you know, they look straight to the marketing in a consumer facing way without realizing probably the most important piece of defining your brand is internal. You know, it's, it's, it's how you communicate what you stand for with your employees because your employees, whether they're at a, at, a, at a bar having a drink or whether they're on their own social media channels, they're your first line of word of mouth advertising and they really should embody, you know, the company's values and its mission. And so two things I would suggest. One is that 
you can't be prescriptive. You have to tell your employees, no matter how big your company is, what you stand for, and then celebrate their engagement. For example, maybe somebody in accounting or maybe your only employee vol volunteers at a pet shelter on the weekend and you use Instagram or Pinterest or whatever it might be or a Vine video to, to actually celebrate what they're doing on their own time because it's in alignment with the core values of your brand. And that shows that you're listening to your employee, that you care about them and that they're a reflection of the brand's value you know, values. And then the second thing is not everyone, you can't be prescriptive in the sense of, you know, like tell them that you should use social media and this is what we want you to do. You should give them a, like a toolkit of different ways to get involved. It might be writing blog posts. It might be taking Instagram photos. You know, it might be in, being in charge of Twitter. But, you know, you should recognize that different sexes and different ages and different sort of, you know, psychographics, the way people like to relate to each other, you know, they, are, they can translate to very different things for the ways employees can engage. And I'll, and I'll give you one concrete example because theory is sort of useful, only useful so far. You know, Virgin, Atlanta, uh, uh, Virgin America, the airline here in the, in the U.S., yeah. you know, Richard Branson, the line for that is flying in the face of the ordinary. That's their tagline. And two examples. The other day, he had a bet with another owner of another airline about something and he lost. And the bet was that if he lost he would serve as a hostess on a, day, on a flight for a day. And so he dressed up in a hostess's uniform, skirt, tights, the whole thing, filmed the whole thing, Instagrammed the whole thing, full face of makeup with the beard, and then served drinks on, a, on, on the flight. And firstly, that reflected <laughs> flying in the face of the ordinary in a way you've never seen. Like just put in Virgin, like Richard Branson as you know, Virgin hostess. You'll get some wonderful photographs and you're like, wow, I've never seen a billionaire do that before. And then, you know, the second thing is, that's at the high level. And, and when he does that, that's a permission slip from the CEO of a major corporation saying to all his employees, you have a right to engage socially and be human. But then at a really sort of um, specific level for, a, for an employee, I saw a tweet the other day that they put out and one of the hostesses had arrived in an airport where it was raining and one of the ground crew didn't want her shoes to get wet and so we picked her up and carried her across the tarmac and there was a photograph of him carrying the hostess across the, the tarmac with a big grin on his face and it said, hashtag flying in the face of the ordinary. That, that was actually, that was the CEO carrying the... Carrying no, no, no. It was just oh. one of the, fly, the, the ground crew. One oh, of the gotcha. They'll the wave you in. So it doesn't matter whether you're the CEO or whether you're a sort of an unknown ground crew that works for the airline. They're both flying in the face of the ordinary. So when you talk about employees, you've got to let them know what you stand for. You've got to celebrate their efforts and then you've got to give them a toolkit of different ways to participate and recognize that they are your first and best line of advertising, both in the real world and you know, across social media. Simon, um, this has been really awesome. I just want to say thank you so much for sharing these stories and your knowledge with us today. I know you've got a conference coming up in a few days, and I also know that some folks are going to be hearing this way after the conference. So I want to give you a chance to um, mention how people can learn about your conference and also uh, other ways they might be able to reach you if they happen to catch this after the conference. Thank you so much. The conference is 100% focused on helping startups, entrepreneurs, and high growth businesses build their reputation and build their customer base. And it's on September 24th and 5th at the W Hollywood. We have limited seats left. And to register for the event, it's you go to wefirst13.com. So W E F I R S T number one number three dot com. Wefirst13.com. And if you enter at checkout, 
the special promo code from Social Media Examiner, you'll save $500. So the event will be, you know, $500 less. So it'll be around $1,500. And that's two days. And we have some of the top marketers from Coca-Cola, Starbucks, the UN Foundation, Charity Water, and entrepreneurs and sort of, you know, social tech specialists all showing you how to do this. And in the two days, we work through a program of modules so you actually walk out with true value to your business, having defined your brand with an action plan. And because we want to make our contribution and walk our talk, every single attendee gets to invite their favorite nonprofit for free. So please go to wefirst13.com and enter, you know, all caps, SME to, to get that, you know, that saving and bring a nonprofit. We do have some spaces left. And um, if it's after the event that you're listening to this, you can go to wefirstbranding.com. So wefirst and then the word branding.com, all one word. And you'll see there our blog um, where you can keep in touch with all this sort of thinking and all the case studies and any events that are coming up. But most importantly, I want to say huge respect, Michael, for you know, all the amazing sort of thinking and intellectual property that Social Media Examiner has been sharing for so long. And there has never been a more wonderful time for entrepreneurs to take these relatively inexpensive tools and to use strategies and tactics that you're sharing, that I'm sharing, to rapidly accelerate their business. And you have to learn how to do that to enjoy the benefits. And when you do it, you'll be one of those people that everyone else is talking about and instead of one of those people going, I'm making all this effort, but I'm not getting any results. You have to actually know the strategies and tactics. So huge respect for, for everything you've done. Simon Mannering, thank you so much for joining us today. A real pleasure, Michael. And thanks to everyone for listening. Well, I think Simon and I uh, mentioned some really, really cool stuff. I hope you got a lot of great ideas from that interview. If there was anything that we mentioned that you missed in today's podcast, you can get the show notes at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 59. Also, if you are a regular listener to the podcast, and in particular, you listen on a Mac or iOS device, I'd love it if you would consider helping us out by heading over to iTunes. You can do that. um, Well, actually, two things to do. First of all, go to socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes. And if you're not already subscribed, hit the subscribe button. That way you won't ever miss a future episode of the podcast. And while you're there, click on the ratings and reviews, and we'd love a star rating and a review. Well, this does bring us to the end of yet another edition of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Stelzner. I will be back next week to join you for another great episode. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.